0: Are you
1: ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Hey, everyone. About to kick off another week, the post-Super Bowl show here tonight. Yes. And, uh... We'll do a little celebrating uh, based on some stuff that we had go well last week and some yeah. things that we didn't go ha- have go so so well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few things along the way, but I felt pretty good about the weekend as a whole.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I think when we get to it, we did pretty well. Um, one glaring miss, obviously picking. We both picked the Chiefs to win, which a yeah. big big cut. Yeah, no juice. But I think everything else, when you look at it, we were right on with every other prediction we had for the show. So we had a we had a really good feel
1: about how the props would play out. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. think we, we looked pretty good there on the yeah. prop end of things. So our
0: our prop record for this one is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. honestly. All right, uh, Tom, give us a rundown of what the show is going to entail tonight. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, do our prop-a-palooza review, go over that. We're gonna go over some golf picks, including an insane winner. We're gonna talk of then. We're gonna get into Pebble Beach. Uh, always a beautiful tournament to uh, just take in. Honestly, uh, UFC uh, pay per view this weekend, UFC 258, and then we start our trek towards the draft by breaking down the AFC East team needs. We're gonna kind of go over each team um, a little bit about them, what they need, maybe some areas of to, uh, to look at in the draft for them. Yeah, and that's that's it. It's it's a shorter kind of show. Hopefully, um, hopefully it's some interesting info for you.
1: Yeah, it'll be a little more concise tonight for sure, uh, but you know we've got a lot of a uh, lot of draft prep stuff coming up, some basketball talk I'm sure as we get a little deeper into the season, uh, golf obviously you, you you guys know the deal we love golf we love football we love fights we love fights yeah, yeah you you bring up those those are the three sports that really get our juices flowing yes. so uh, jump right in Tom let's
0: let's yeah. get started with the review so yeah um Propapalooza was a success. Kevin, you went 4-1 and one in yours. I went 4-1 and one in mine. 8-2 and two as a whole is pretty ridiculous for prop badging, yeah, honestly. I would say. Um, a lot of really good ones. The one I missed was a miscalculation of an injury. Yeah. I had Edwards Hilaire under, and he played and played pretty well. Went way over his number. Yeah. But I think that's not doubting the man's skill. It was expecting him to play a little less, yeah. especially running the ball.
1: Yeah, he, he was involved a little bit more than, yeah. than expected. I mean, yeah, which you know that happens. It, it's hard when you when you misjudge playing time that that hurts. um I, My one loss was Antonio Brown's yardage. He had plenty of looks coming his way. Yeah, but he, he didn't pick up any chunk plays at all.
0: Yeah, I read that the touchdown he had, he ran the wrong route, and yeah. Brady's just kind of knew what he was it, doing. Yeah, it was like, oh,
1: that'll work. <laughs> yeah
0: ridiculous
1: i don't know did they say that it was like supposed to be a jerk route where he was supposed to fake in and then and then go out or
0: i can't remember i don't think they said exactly what it was i think they said he he was running the wrong route but brady saw what he was doing and like recognized yeah. oh i see what he's doing let me get him the ball yeah which is it's crazy stuff i mean they played together in new england for five weeks maybe yeah. six weeks and then a few weeks here in Tampa, and they're just like he's able to read them that well. You can't underestimate
1: the ability that Tom Brady has to captain a team and, and lead them yeah. in big spots. You know, it's it's very clear that he's the best that's ever done it when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, he's going to hold every record, and it, you know it, it may not be within reach. It, yeah. It'll be, it'll be difficult for anybody to have the kind of longevity that he's had. Yeah.
0: It's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So. um, was very happy with the Gronkowski wager yeah. over over two-and-a-half receptions. That was my favorite play of the week. I said that on the podcast last week. I thought that, you know, big game, two guys that know each other so well, and Kansas City's difficulty covering tight ends. It just – everything meshed together for me to see Gronk having a big day that day. I didn't expect the multiple touchdowns. <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah, he, know, almost, he almost beat two-and-a-half touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the under was spot on. You know, yes. That, that never really – Got in, in a whole lot of danger in this yeah. one, so felt pretty good about that. The um, uh,
0: under Tom Brady, 39-and-a-half throws, I won, uh, won that one by, like, 10. Yeah. It was easy. Posted.
1: Well, I, I did squeeze the Patrick Mahomes' longest rush on <laughs> multiple occasions, <laughs> yeah. but like he did what I said he would do, and that was get the first down and step out of bounds. Yeah. You're just get lucky they, they didn't have a 14-yard third, right. third, and 14. <laughs> right, right, where he decided to take off. Yeah. But it was early in the game especially he had two runs that went exactly 11 yards and he basically got the first down and his next step went out of bounds so that's kind of what i was envisioning i didn't i didn't see him ever looking to initiate contact or anything like that and the tampa defense is pretty speedy those linebackers can really move they're super athletic so makes it a little more difficult to uh have those big runs where somebody's not bearing down on you so
0: yeah, and uh, the game, the game, uh, like, like you said, we had the under covered. Um, you know, it, it went that way. It was slow early on, field goals, and uh, not moving the ball great, and then Brady got on a bit of a roll. It's very similar to what, what he did in the Packers game, where yeah. feeling it out, what's going to be there, what can we go to, finds out, throws up a bunch of uh, points, and then they hold on for the win and yeah. just take care of the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's what he does. He wins football games. The, I mean. s-
1: the story of the Super Bowl to me was really just how imperative it is to have a pass rush and be able to protect the passer. Yeah, those two things were the
0: difference again in in this game. And get rid of the ball. I I, I think that's one of the things you see with the Packers were coming after Brady with craziness, and he did throw a couple interceptions. But time in time in and again, he's just getting rid of the ball so fast. He knows he reads the defense. He goes, "Okay, you're all coming." This guy's short. I'm going to give him the ball. And they did those long passes. Yeah. Like, just, okay, everything, you're blitzing me. There's no safety. I'm going to chuck it up to my guy and see what happens. And they tackled him the one time, and they got the, the long first down.
1: For all of Mahomes' unworldly ability, you can't continue to run around and try to make plays. Listen, yeah. you've, you've seen it in your yeah. quarterback in Buffalo. Uh, he, he, when he makes those same decisions and tries to scramble, he's going to pull off some unbelievable, amazing plays yes. from time to time. But more often than not, it's going to lead to a negative play.
0: And the, the thing is, you see it, you saw it with Mahomes, and I've seen it with Josh a few times in certain games. When a quarterback is not trusting the O-line, they start backpedaling and running backwards before there really is even pressure. Right. And as soon as you do that, you can pretty much change the channel. The game's yeah. over. Once that happens where they don't trust their O-line to do the to pick up the blitzes and to hold people off, the game's over. Um, and... It, you got to get used to those bullets flying and stand in there and take those hits and kind of understand that, yeah, I'm going to get hit, but at least I can get rid of the ball if I stand here and wait.
1: Right. And those, those situations are, are just so difficult because I think as a, as a football player, you've got these guys bearing down on you so quickly. He only, I think he only took one or two sacks. I mean, I know it was later in the game that he was actually sacked for the first time. It was in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, and I felt like, oh, my God, that's the first sack of the game. How can that be? But it led to errant throws. It led to bad decisions. And then he had guys that didn't make plays when he needed them to. Which yeah. You know, sometimes that happens.
0: I so. think this is where you see some of these young quarterbacks being super athletic, count against them, because they feel like they can they can make the play. If they just get away, they can make the play. And really, that's not the the smart thing to do. You see somebody with the Brady's... Um, seasoning and Mm -hmm. his you know lack of mobility or limited mobility i guess know that that's not an option so he just does the smart thing Mm -hmm. reads gets rid of the ball reads gets rid of the ball i'd rather throw it at somebody's feet than run backwards 30 yards and try to heave it to the line of scrimmage and his his
1: ability to just say i'm going to throw to whoever's open whatever the hot route is whatever the read tells me yeah wherever that dictates that i need to let the ball go that's where i'm going to let it go I'm not going to worry about the fact that I have a great receiver in Mike Evans that can win one-on-ones up there. I don't care about that. Yeah. What I care about is making the right decision in this spot, making the right throw. Yeah. And you know that when you do that, it p- gives you a much better chance to succeed.
0: Yeah. You want Mike Evans out there because when he is the right read, you know he's going to probably come down with it. He's probably going to make a big play. But you have to go where the play tells you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and having he, that threat. He might be
1: the best at it of all time, honestly. Mike Evans having, having that threat like him out there gives – team's fear and it opens up that other stuff underneath. Yeah. Not only does you know he he's really good. He's a really talented player. And every team that that succeeds if you look, they've got one of those guys out uh, wide. Uh you've got you know Devonte Adams, you had Stefan Diggs, you had um Tyreek Hill, you've got Mike Evans. So all of those teams have their stud wide receiver. Right. that succeeded and i think that opens up so much more of the game for them yes. i think it's really underrated when it comes to the nfl and it's a point that you don't hear talked about a lot mm-hmm. but if you don't have one of those game guys one of those game changers somebody that can you know either take the top off the defense like tyree kill can at any moment or guys who just consistently win one-on-one balls right. or Where they run c- great routes
0: yeah you can't just have one guy on them
1: yeah you have to focus on them if w- a team without guys like that they don't succeed they it's just it's something that it's it's part of the formula yeah so it it was a really fun game to watch if you don't mind the fact that it wasn't competitive so it was (laughs) there was so much nuance to the game watching the line play you could see the struggles of the Kansas City O-line early Mike Remmers struggled badly on the edge and watching defense win Super Bowls and win big games is always fun for me I, I love when defense plays a huge role in the outcome
0: yeah it was tough for me to watch um I told you this, like, I, as a Bills fan, it's tough to see the Chiefs there, period, because you're like, ah, it could have been us. And then watching Brady win again is almost just nerve-wracking. Yeah. So it was not much fun. I was actually watching it going, ugh. Every time anybody made a good play on his team, I'm like, ugh.
1: (laughs) But, I mean, can you imagine having your teeth kicked in by Tom Brady
0: in the Super Bowl if you'd have gotten there? Yeah, I mean, that was an option, but (laughs) it would have been fun the other way, you know? The positivity of beating him would have been amazing. Yeah. That might have been it for old Tom. That might have been the end. I might have been saying, see ya Earth. Yeah. This can't get better than tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh you know, Brady's gonna be around too. He, I, he's he's out of nowhere. At, at the they're giving him the trophy asking and then he's like, Oh, I'm com- I'm coming back next yeah. year. We're doing this again. I'm like, Oh my god. Yeah. And the Bills get to go to Tampa Bay and Kansas City next year in the regular season. So That's gonna be fun, huh? That's off to them. Yeah. All right. What's next on the agenda, Tom? Uh, let's talk a little bit about our golf picks from last week and then we'll hit some Pebble Beach. OK. So, uh, yeah, this is you.
1: Yeah. T- take it away. Yeah. I gave out Brooks Koepka at plus fifty four hundred last week to win. win the tournament on the podcast. And uh, I placed a wager on it myself and uh, cashed out a little over eight hundred dollars in my pocket for a fifteen dollar wager. So for me, uh, the situation fit. You could see that Brooks Kepka he had flash. I had watched him the week before on the uh, on the featured group coverage, and you could see moments with him. And the question was whether or not he was healthy. And I knew going to a venue where he has won before, and he would have some confidence going in there if his knee was feeling well, that he would be a tough man to beat. Now the leaderboard came back to him on Sunday. Yeah, and he was in like. The third-to-last group, they were playing in threes to try to finish before the Super Bowl, all that stuff. Things just kind of worked out in his favor, but, you know, the clutch chip-in on 17 for Eagle.
0: That was nuts, wasn't it? Yeah. It was
1: absolutely crazy. I have to admit, there were some celebratory expletives yelled in my living room at that (laughs) moment. So, it was, I mean, really exciting to watch, and that's two weeks in a row. I didn't give out Patrick Reed the week before and I feel terrible about it because I liked him and I ended up wagering on him. So two weeks in a row I've had the outright winner on my ticket going into the weekend. So I, I am just, I'm riding a heater in golf, baby. Let's <laughs> see if we can catch another one this week.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, if you were listening to the podcast last week, Kevin says he, he's got Capco to win. I said, that's interesting. I have him in my top 10, obviously both hit Kevin's for a lot more money. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, we, we were all over that one, which is nice to see. Usually if we're both on someone, there's a pretty good odds it's going to work out. Yeah, well. we, we will, usually oh, – I will say that. When it's
1: a consensus selection, we've had a pretty good track record. So yes. uh, let's take a look at this week's uh, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Pebble Beach. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We, it, it's marred by a bunch of withdrawals. Uh, People backing out. Dustin Johnson backed out. There were seven, I think, players that withdrew yesterday. Yeah. Uh, The weather's expected to be bad. The greens, I guess, are bumpy. The conditions are are not great. Welcome to our world, guys. Yeah. The the conditions are not great right now. So, you know, let's take a look and see what we can find. Yeah, so there's –
0: got to bring up the number on the website now, but I do have a few guys I like.
1: Yeah, I, I've got a couple that, that stand out to me, and um, there's going to be probably a little bit of a theme to it when you when you hear where I'm going with this. But there is one guy that I also liked here. I'm just trying to see where his odds are at and if he's on the board here. Um, defending champion is Nick Taylor, uh, he hasn't had a top ten finish since that tournament last year. So uh, this is a defending champion that I'm not going to be any part of. Uh, you, you won't find. Yeah, last
0: him. year Nick Taylor finishes first. Kevin Strelman. Four shots back at second, so it really just shows you how awesome Taylor played. And then Phil Mickelson came in third. Uh, Phil likes this course. He's a yeah, fan. I
1: mean, he's he's won here four times, I think, over the course of the years. So he's a bit of, bit of a fan. Yeah, he's he's definitely got some, some confidence at this course. And there are some guys – right now, You're look, there are a lot of guys that are playing really well that are a little younger that maybe you haven't heard a whole lot of. Um,
0: it looks like – it doesn't look like – So, Kevin, before – as we're getting our picks ready – what what traits are you looking for? Oh, no. What traits are you looking for as far as... Uh, I say, oh, no, as I bring it up. I see that the guy I had picked earlier in the week is now listed as the favorite to win, and I don't like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cross him <them> off. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, Pebble Beach, historically, it's okay to be a little bit wayward off the tee. It's, yeah. You know, you generally, they're fairly generous fairways, um, and... It's, it's generally a second-shot golf course, you know, for the most so part. So we're
0: talking irons.
1: Yeah, guys who strike their irons well, and, you know, that's important. That, and in this situation, you've got some guys near the top here. Patrick Cantlay plus 650 is the favorite now. Yeah,
0: I, I had him. That was the guy. I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this, he played well. Not he, he sat out last week, actually, yeah. but he played really well the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he shot a sixty-two on Saturday. Yeah. So I was all about him coming back, but I don't know what that that dollar amount.
1: Yeah, Daniel Berger's at plus twelve hundred. Um, you've got Jason Day at plus fifteen hundred. Jason Day's not playing well enough to be plus fifteen hundred right now. Yeah. I, I just I don't feel that one at all. Um, what I'm looking for, I like Paul Casey this week. Um, he's plus sixteen hundred. That one is a play that you know I'm certainly gonna. He had a win a couple of weeks ago, um, in the desert. So, I, I like Paul Casey here. Plus sixteen hundred is not a big pri- a huge price or anything, but you know, probably worth uh, putting a piece on him. There's some other guys that have been playing really well that are that are down the list here a little bit too. So you've got Matthew Nesmith played really well last week. I don't I don't want him on my ticket to win. Um, you've got Cameron Tringali. Um, this guy has been around quite a while. And uh, I, I think he's got a chance to be in contention here. So Cameron Tringali at plus thirty six hundred, and I'm going to give you four plays here for this week. Um, honestly, the, the board isn't very strong at the top this week, so the it, it's really kind of balanced out the wagering. That you don't get a lot of the big prices on on good players, uh, you know, solid players this week because there's no favorite really stealing all the action. Like last week, you had McElroy and Kapka, and yeah, the, uh, well, Kapka wasn't even a good price, but yeah, <laughs> um, JT and those guys taking all the money last week. So, um, I, I like guys in that range this week. Plus sixteen hundred, plus thirty six hundred. Um, Kevin Streelman, plus twenty six hundred, and then. Uh, let's go i'm gonna gonna go down the board here brant snedeker has had some success at pebble beach in the past i think that he's a guy that could have success this week not a super strong field plus 6500 brant snedeker's pop putting stroke could do well on bumpy slow greens i think that he might fit really well with the type of player that i want to see succeed this week so give me brant snedeker plus 6500 um what do you got tom
0: so when I'm looking at this, I do I like to spread it out a couple. I like to do a couple to win and a couple to finish in the top 10. Top 10, I'm looking for shorter odds to make a larger bet. And then the to win, give me some decent, you know, some mid to long odds and let me throw a little something at it and see what sticks. So with that in mind, uh, what I want to do is I'm going to go with for the top 10. Phil Mickelson at plus 400 to be in the top 10 in this tournament. I think is it's pretty good money uh again we've just talked about how good he's played even last year being in the top uh finishing third it's definitely a, a course he's familiar with um so give me that one and where did the other guy go this one's uh, man i can't do him his, his odds are too low it's not fun let's go with um uh, let's just go with the two wins i got ricky fowler to win at 3600 and then russell knox the big swing at 7,500 as a guy who's a steady Eddie kind of guy, uh, but in a, in a European player in a cold, wet environment, but in a week where you're going to have some of the top guys that can really blow the doors off some of these players that are, are, are solid. I think those are the kind of guys that can step up like, Hey, I can actually win this week. So give me a guy like Knox. And, and uh, with some of these top guys off there, Ricky Fowler all of a sudden is one of the more talented golfers on the course this weekend. So I'll take a swing with him at the 3600 as well. What else is new? You've got Ricky Fowler on your card every week. I love him. Give him the heater, Ricky. <laughs> I know. Every week. <laughs> it's the orange. I'm a sucker
1: for it. Yeah. All right. Um, so just to recap, I had uh, Brant Snedeker. I had Cameron Tringali. I have Paul Casey and Kevin Streelman. Those are the names on the card this week, and uh, let's hope we can get a third-in-a-row home.
0: That would be something else, I'll tell you.
1: I know, you're telling me. Onward, what do we got, Tom?
0: Next, we're going to talk some UFC. All right. Uh, We're going to go a little UFC 258. It's an interesting card. I think that um, this is one of those cards that flies under the radar. Uh, The main event is very exciting, and I think you have a lot of names that people are not that familiar with out there for some of these fights. But these are usually the cards that where you see future people arise. And I think that's exactly what I'm looking at when I see some of these fights coming up. Um, So I'm going to get started with my prelim fight here. Bilal Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Um, You guys, you got a couple of guys here who are on the up and up. Muhammad, 17 and three, won his last three fights here. Um, His most recent fight uh, against Lyman Good by decision. Uh, Super... This is a welterweight that can do a little bit of everything. When you look at his uh, breakdown, he's won four knockouts. He's got one submission win, a lot of decisions there. Um, decisions may not sound flashy, but it tells you that he's consistently beating the other opponent. Um, Diego Lima, 15-7, and seven, been around a little bit longer, but also on a three-fight win streak. Um, one of those wins coming against Court McGee, who's been around seemingly since I was a child. Uh, so you know he can fight a little bit. And he's similar, uh, except for he's prone to being knocked out a little bit. Uh, He's four knockout wins, but also four knockout losses. And somebody who's a little bit more of a grappler with more submission wins at four. I really like uh, Muhammad in this fight. I'm bringing up the odds right now. Yeah, he's a pretty good favorite. Yeah, Yeah. That's not that big of a surprise. But Muhammad, he's going to be great for your DKs this week, Um, if not betting if his (laughs) odds are too bad but big fan of him for dk's
1: yeah uh my first fight is philip rowe taking on gabriel green and this is going to be one of your early prelims and uh gabriel green comes off a loss to daniel rodriguez uh who's you know good fighter uh, by all accounts prior to that he had won six or seven in a row he's his last fight was in uh, may of 2020 he has nine professional wins. All nine are finishes. Six submissions, three TKOs. You go to Philip Rowe. Philip Rowe, he's got some inactivity here. August 20th, 2019 is his last fight. Philip Rowe is seven and two on a seven-fight win streak. He lost his first two professional fights and hasn't lost since. All seven of those fights have been finished. Four submissions, three TKOs. You've got two fighters taking each other on here that have all of their wins by way of finish. Neither of them have gone the distance and won. So, talk about fun, explosive. Basically, a pick 'em on on betting cards like plus one hundred five, minus one hundred thirty for uh, Gabriel Green. I think. Yeah. Uh, if I, if I'm gonna. Place a bet here. I'm going to go with the favorite, Gabriel Green, because of the inactivity of Philip Rowe. That's what scares me. It's hard to predict. You don't really. know what you're going to get. You know, yeah. it, it, has there been some serious injuries or something that are we'll holding f- him back? Um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see this fight more than anything else. It's not about the betting angle here for me. It's about how excited I am to watch this fight.
0: That's how it is for the next one for me. Um, I've had a crush on Kevin Gastelum and his kind of straight ahead. Swing for the fences, kind of mentality. So getting to see him fight again is great. Ian heinish is another guy who he comes to fight. Uh, Fourteen and three for heinish Five of five and uh, five wins by knockout, two by submission. Uh, it's a guy who does not like to go see decisions. Um, kind of a mixed bag for him recently. He was a hot uh, commodity after a couple of wins, Antonio Carlos Jr., but then lost twice in a row to Derek Brunson. And Omar Akhmadov. Um got back on the winning streak and now is rewarded with a, a, a really a big test for him with Kevin Gastelum, fifteen and six with also five knockouts and five submission victories. Um, he himself of coming off three losses, but the th- the three guys he's lost to were Israel Adesanya, Darren Till, and Jack Hermanson. Uh, both these guys are coming off of like a six seven month layoff, so it should be interesting to see. But I I just really love watching Gastelum fight. I can't wait. Yeah,
1: I mean Kelvin Gastelum's been around for a long time. He's not afraid to fight anyone, so um, you know it'd be should be fun to watch these guys go at it.
0: Yeah, Gastelum's fought everybody: mm-hmm. Bisbing, Belfort, Weidman, Souza, Johnny Hendricks. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of hit everybody up over the last few years, so yeah, should be fun. Uh, my
1: last fight is going to be Julian Marquez, uh, and he's taking on Maki Patolo. Maki. Maki Patolo. He's uh, you know of the hawaiian crew uh that they just go in and they fight their brains out right
0: yeah he's Max. lost
1: two in a row to uh darren stewart he got submitted impica and i beat him uh in august by decision unanimous decision um, he beat charles bird before that via tko lost to Callan potter um so you know he's had some fights here he's got some losses but he's game he goes out there and he fights hard um, be interesting to watch him get in there against Julian Marquez, who's been off since July of 2018 yep. when he lost a split decision to Alessio de Chirico, however they say it. <laughs> uh, prior to that, Julian Marquez was on a tear. He had finished one, two, three, four, five consecutive fights, including a submission of Darren Stewart, KO of Phil Hawes, knocked out Cameron Olsen, knocked out Matt Hamill knocked out Idris Wasi. this is a guy that was on a tear then loses a split decision now he's been out for a long time so for me I'm excited to see what <clears throat> what Julian Marquez has he's only 30 years old he's not old he's not making you know like a last stand in the fighting business I'm excited to see what Marquez can do I think this is a, a fight that uh, I think the odds might have it
0: Marquez a slight favorite here.
1: yeah minus 170 I'm sure I'll be on him again here uh, based on that, but that's gonna be. I think it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be awesome to watch. By the way, that Gabriel Green Philip Rowe fight under two and a half is minus one thirty, and neither guy sees the end <laughs> when they win. So why yeah. are you not on that now? That's gonna. Yeah. That's just gonna go up. I'm all about it. So um, Julian Marquez Maki Patolo gonna be a great fight. I like Julian Marquez, in it, and I'm excited to see him return after his injuries and and other reasons for leaving the octagon for a while yeah and maki patola being so game and not afraid to step in there against anyone i think makes for a great fight
0: the main event the welterweight title is on the line between kamaru usman and gilbert burns uh very very fun fight i mean everyone loves to watch usman fight he's you know on a small 16 fight win streak i'm not sure if you knew um, 17 and one his career. And he's just been just destroying people. It's, it's not even just the wins, but he's dominant in the yes. wins.
1: A lot of people complain saying, you know, he's a he's a stick and move fighter and all yeah. this stuff. He's but never
0: but gets in trouble and and it, he doesn't put himself at risk, which is, uh, it reminds me of some of what people would say about Floyd Mayweather, where you know uh, he's not really engaging in fights. He pop pop gets out of there, but that's. You know, longevity, smartness, take the risk out of there. That's kind of what he's doing as well. And then Gilbert Burns is just, a, well, one, a ball of muscle. Yeah. And just, he's, he's crazy in there. He goes right after it. Um, eight submission victories, six knockouts for this guy, a lot of stoppages.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he knocked out Damian Maya uh, last Which year. Which is not easy. No. And uh, then he fought Tyron Woodley in May and was completely dominant in that fight. Controlled him for 5 rounds. I mean, I
0: think he won 5
1: rounds to 0 in that fight.
0: Yeah, he made it made it look like Woodley quit at times in that fight, yeah. which is
1: really strange to see. I love Gilbert Burns. I think he's such a great well-rounded fighter. I'm going to be so interested to see what he can do against Usman and Usman's ability to, you know, keep he, Usman's never been on his back in the MMA in, in MMA. So, he, he's never been put on his back. He's never been taken down. Now, that's impressive, right? Yeah, it is. So Gilbert Burns is going to have to do it with striking to start with. He's going to have to hurt him first. Mix it up. But Gilbert Burns is also a, a huge Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's, yeah. he's super, super gifted at this stuff. And if anybody can do it, if anybody can get him down, it's going to be somebody like Gilbert Burns because Burns is stronger than Usman, too. So you've got those things working. We'll see if Usman's technique and his ability can keep him up. I, I, I can't wait to watch this fight. Gilbert Burns is plus two twenty five or two twenty or so in this fight, so um, I think the fight's closer than that.
0: Yeah, it's funny when you're scrolling through all the fight stats for Usman on the UFC website. It goes to takedown defense one hundred percent. It's just it's, it catches the eye as you're going through. You're like fifty percent, thirty seven percent, a hundred. How does that happen? Yeah. Oh, that's how he's never been taken down. Um, and, and Usman likes to use the takedowns as well. He's one of those guys who's figured out, like, hey, if it gets to a minute left and it's a fairly even round, let me steal it by getting a takedown and kind of riding out the last minute. And he uses that to his advantage. Um, I think the fun thing about this fight is you're not going to see anyone gas. You're not going to see anyone do any of that. There's no risk of that. These these two could go all night, honestly.
1: He better be very careful about sticking that head down there to try and take down Gilbert Burns. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, the, this one should be a fun little chess match to kind of see, and also a fight that we not, didn't really talk about, but it's crazy. It's on here is Jim Miller and Bobby Green. Oh yeah, that should be a f- if you're looking for just a fun fight. Yeah, a couple of guys that are gonna mix it up and make it a very entertaining. That's gonna be up there.
1: That's what makes this card so good. There are a lot of really interesting fights to watch. Yeah, stylistically, there are good matchups, and you know the main event. I'm super excited about, so I, I yeah. can't wait to to tune into this one.
0: And you also have a. Um, some of the ladies getting down, Macy Barber and Alexa Grasso, both super talented. Um, they call Macy Barber the future for a reason. She's really got a yeah, up-and-coming kind of star in the making here. A big test with Grasso to see if she can kind of get over some of the veterans. All right. So, uh, Tom and I are going to take a quick step away here,
1: and then we'll be back. What do we got left on the agenda? AFC
0: com- East team needs.
1: All right. We'll be back to talk a little AFC East football right after this brief Break, and we return now from our brief hiatus. It was a little longer on our end than that, uh, you
0: know, <laughs> than uh, a yeah. two-second pause that you guys heard. But uh, let's talk about the AFC East, Tom. Well, that's so. We're going to start with the Buffalo Bills, and uh, you know, the way we kind of want to do this is just go over, you know, as we're looking through the positions and we're looking at like their free agents, things like that, and knowing the teams you know what the areas that need are and the reason this is part of our draft prep is you can't mock a draft if you don't know what the team should be looking at right so you kind of have to do the roster evaluation first and then start you know grading your your uh draft picks out and seeing where they fit yeah um bills let's talk offense for the bills i think some fairly obvious things pop out as we're looking and that's the offensive line yeah they don't have a lot left no i You'd say about half the offensive line is going to be a free agent at tackle. Ty Naseki and Daryl Williams, both free agents. And in the interior, John Feliciano, Brian Winters, and Ike Becker, um, all free agents. So,
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you've got Mitch Morris returning, presumably if he doesn't retire. Yeah. Uh, Cody Ford, uh, Deion Dawkins, and Ryan Bates, who must have been practice squad or, you know, up and down kind of guy. Yeah, up and down. So, you know, you, you have uh, Deion Dawkins is your your steady rock on the team, really. Yes. You're really going to need to fill depth here as well. So you may re-sign one or two of these guys. Daryl Williams, with the way he performed this year, I think certainly deserves a look. It depends on how big his contract offers come in yes. uh, because he deserves to look in free agency as well with the performance that he put on at right yeah. tackle this year.
0: Yeah, he really stepped up. I mean, they signed him hoping to – to so maybe back up Ty Naseki and Cody Ford at right tackle, and ended up taking the job from them before the season started, which is kind of,
1: it's if impressive. If you see a slide in some of the better offensive line uh, prospects in this draft, it wouldn't surprise me to see Buffalo jump on one at the end of the yeah. first round. But right now, it, it with the way things are mocking out, it doesn't look like you're going to get somebody like Elijah Vera Tucker or somebody from the interior line to fall that far. Yeah um uh, so that that's where the fun of mock drafts come in because that is one position to target offensive line you'll see as uh, something that the bill should be yeah. looking for
0: they'll definitely i mean i think they have to address that at some point in the draft they need to get younger here i mean as we're talking about Morse is talking about retiring dawkins is you know he's still in the prime of his career but that's really it at this point that you yeah. can count on those are the two guys that you can pencil in know what you're going to get so the other free agents are all veterans. You got to bring in some some youth here. I think they did that a couple years ago with Cody Ford. I think they need to do that again. If it's early, great. If not, you still have to you have to use some of those mid round picks to get some depth in here. Now
1: the other thing that you're going to look at is cheap. what position can you do? You need to upgrade at despite who you're going to be losing. Um, where do you need to upgrade? Who who can you let go or push down your depth chart and find an upgrade for? So you know you've got guys on here. Particularly on the interior defensive line, yeah, Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson, you can basically walk away without losing a whole lot.
0: Yeah, I think those, those were structured specifically for this, right? Yeah, we w- we want you on the team this year. Last year, we got some guys to replace Star Lotulale, wasn't coming back. He opted mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, you you lost Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson. You needed something, but uh, an opt out basically this
1: year. You save about thirteen million on the cap by letting those two guys walk. Uh, you can pursue someone in free agency or you can use that money at the offensive line position yeah. or um, edge rusher also probably needs to be addressed. Um, the good thing is you f- free agency shakes itself out as such that you know where you need to target and, and allocate that money. Are you going to need to replace Matt Milano? That's a huge question mark in Buffalo. Yeah. Are you? Do you decide just to shift that money to Matt Milano from letting those interior defensive linemen go and then draft a couple guys? So there, there are a lot of options that you can – a lot of courses you can take.
0: Yeah. A lot of it, it will, again, come down to what did – what do they see when they do their, their draft scouting? Do you see two or three guys in the first couple of rounds that you feel comfortable replacing Matt Milano? Or do you look at the draft and go, yuck, there's no one there I feel can do the same job he does. we got to figure something out, either signing him or somewhere else. Right, and so are those
1: guys going to be available for me in the range where yes, I'm selecting? where I'm comfortable selecting, yeah. yeah. So – you know, Buffalo has some b- holes to fill, primarily, I would say, along that interior defensive line. Maybe upgrade the edge rusher position. Yeah.
0: Um, you might want to determine what you're going to do. the t- edge rusher. Like, Jerry Hughes and Mario Edison are not yeah. spring chickens. Right. And the other two are young players, but they're very unproven commodities. Yeah. Daryl Johnson's been great on special teams. He makes flashes. And up and just too early to tell with him. Yeah.
1: And it's, that's not somebody you give up on right
0: away. Oh no, absolutely not. It's just too early to tell what you're gonna get. Yeah, you can't stop putting chips in at that table.
1: Edge rusher scares me so much. As a Dolphins fan, I've watched yeah. so many edge rushers, yeah. high-selected edge rushers, just turn out to be busts. That yeah, it, I'm scarred.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then it's tough too because even like the Bills got Shaq Lawson, and he gets labeled as a bust, even though he's a he's a good NFL player. It's just not what you expected from the number you drafted him at. Right. You, you you expected, you know. Uh, you expected to get Mario Williams or right. uh, Clowney, and, and that's not what you got. So you're dismissive of him, even though he's a solid NFL player. Just not what you expected at that pick. Absolutely. Let's get to the Dolphins. All right. So Miami, they certainly
1: have some areas of need. Um, immediately, you can look at the areas of upgrade that you you would want to pursue, and you can look at the running back position and see that they've got a whole bunch of guys – That can play the running back position. Man, they
0: do not spend a lot. They do not have a lot of money tied up in that position anymore. Not at all. (laughs) Nothing.
1: Not (laughs) at all. Everybody makes less than a million dollars. Yeah. You know, and you've got all (laughs) like young guys. Yeah. Listen, it's not a position they've invested in. Uh And it became evident this year (laughs) at times that they hadn't invested in that position. So um, Matt Breida didn't work out. Jordan Howard didn't work out. Yeah. But they weren't tied to those guys long term. So it's okay. It's not a big deal. Exactly. definitely need a quarterback need to add a quarterback you've got Tua, who is going to be on the roster and barring some kind of crazy trade
0: we failed uh, to mention that for buffalo but that's probably something they need to with barkley coming off
1: yeah you'll, you'll want you need a third arm no matter what yeah uh right now uh miami has only one arm under contract and that's Tua's. um so fitzpatrick and rudock are both gone um more than likely not going to be returning, I, I wouldn't think. I think Fitzy, want, he's really hoping to land a starting job
0: somewhere. This is not the year for that. I know. There's so many quarterbacks available that it's going to be a real tough market for him. But, you know, he's Fitzy. He'll end up somewhere. Yeah. Um,
1: you look at the wide receiver position in Miami. They have a couple guys that are uh, free agents that aren't big contributors. Isaiah Ford was scooped back off the practice squad yeah. from New England, off waivers. Uh, Mac Hollins was a waiver claim from Philadelphia a few years back. You've got Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns both opted out last year, and they're both coming back. Jakeem Grant might have seen the end of his days here if they decided to let him go. Yeah. Um, so that's a position that very much is expected to be targeted in the draft. That's it, it maybe in free agency and the draft because yeah. the Dolphins do have plenty of room to work with here fi- financially. Uh, the tight end position, you know, they, they like their tight end room.
0: I like their tight end room.
1: Me too. Um, I, I think the trade for Adam Shaheen was great, and then they re-signed him on top of trading for a guy that the Bears gave up on too soon because he's made some nice plays. Durham Smythe is a really versatile tight end, and Mike Kosicki, is, he's as gifted
0: as they come. Well, the Bears had 400 tight ends last year. Remember, we talked yeah. about that. <laughs> That's and They gave them. up
1: on a guy they picked in the second round two years yeah, ago. exactly. You know? It's crazy.
0: Uh, the defense is interesting because uh, it doesn't look like there's a lot of glaring holes maybe maybe something at middle linebacker i'm not sure how how steadfast they are there but i think everything else you look at and you're like yeah all right i see what's going on here this is this is a good plan we can work with this yeah and there's um i mean it showed their defense last year was awesome so
1: yeah a a couple of guys that are free agents you get um grugier hill and vince beagle and landon roberts they're losing from the outside linebacker group yeah that's a position that needs to be addressed uh, the cornerback position, they feel pretty good about it. You know, they, they've got <laughs> some guys. They'll, they'll add a couple other guys, I'm sure. Um, Nick Needham is, is a, a likely candidate for a re-sign. Um, he's homegrown. They drafted him, and, you know, I, I get the feeling they're going yeah, to the, keep
0: him around. The top three is pretty nice with Byron, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and Noah Igbenogany. <laughs>
1: yeah, Igo-
0: um, coming yeah. in last year, I mean looked good at times and, 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 and you know being a rookie cornerback that's it's it's not easy
1: yeah the, the fan base was complaining about him you know not getting a lot of time later on in the season but listen he was he he got some time early in the year and he struggled um but you can see the flashes the athleticism and you know uh it's funny Devonte smith was just going through his his pre-draft stuff and somebody asked him who the toughest player was that he went up against and he said Noah no he was the best corner i've ever seen yeah and uh, then he struggled in his first year, you know, picking yeah. things up in the NFL, but uh, there's a lot of talent to be had there. So it's a big difference. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and yeah. then other than that, that's that position group is is pretty good. So you can see kind of the areas of need that that's really stand out there running back wide receiver um, along the offensive line. They're going to want to do some, some work. They don't have a true center left on the roster.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think you're in for a fun off season. I think you're going to get some splashy, fun kind of stuff to get excited about. Um, I think as we're going through this, the areas of need are, are playmakers on the offense, running back, wide receiver, uh, probably a veteran QB to help with you know some mentorship. and
1: Four picks in the top 50. Yeah. A lot of money to spend in free agency and a, a team that won 10 games last year, so Let's
0: I'm pretty excited. Let's talk about these Patriots. All right. Everyone knows the number one need. Quarterback, yeah. in case you didn't watch the Super Bowl, their old quarterback, won with his new girlfriend in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Cam Newton's a free agent. It does not sound like there's much interest in bringing him back and doing it over, um, so we'll see where that goes, see where Cam goes, uh, and see what they do. I doubt Jarrett Stidham's going to be run out there as the starter, but... I'm intrigued by the running back room. They've got three, uh,
1: three hmm. free agents that... You know James White, Rex Burkhead, and Jacob Johnson. Johnson being the the bruising fullback that yeah. they have, but James White and Rex Burkhead have both made a nice living there in for years doing them for a long time. And it'll be interesting to see if they hit the open
0: market or not. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what. I mean, I don't think they're gonna cut Sony Michelle, but it's interesting. That it'll be fun to see if they kind of give him the ball back this year, or if they go to this. We've seen enough.
1: I kind of like I kind of like their their running back room with Michelle, Damian Harris and JJ Taylor. I think you've got three backs that complement each other pretty and well. And Bolden's not.
0: He's a nice little complementary yeah. piece as well. Yeah. I like him. But yeah, but again there's nothing This is a team that when you look at their roster, you got some nice guys on it on offense, but there's no real playmaker that scares you when you play this team right no. now. There's nobody that you're like, "Oh, we got to watch out for." I mean, Julian Edelman He's, he's getting up there. Yeah, he's long in the tooth. And then after that, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby he's,
1: Myers. I yeah, mean, Nikhil Harry's never de- developed. Matthew Slater's a stud special teams yeah, player, but he does nothing. Um, Gunnar Olszewski is another special teams guy. Jacoby Myers has made some nice plays. Yeah. Um, but, you know, man, they've, they've got to find somebody, a wide receiver. And they
0: invested heavily into the tight end, trying to find some of that old glory where they were really good with that. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Tight end, I think, is another one of those positions where I feel like you see flashes at least right away, with, and I'm not sure that we saw that with any of these guys last year.
1: Yeah, you've got Dalton Keene and, and uh, Devin Asiasi. Asiasi, yeah. As- 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 uh, those two guys were both early draft picks, and Ryan Izzo was the leading tight end on the roster. So, yeah. um, you know, offensive line, I think they've got a lot coming back. Yeah. You know, you get back some uh, some guys that weren't around due to injury or opt-out or whatever. Um, but Joe Thune is a free agent again. They they had franchise tagged him last year. They've got to decide what they're going to do there. Are they going to re-sign him? David Andrews
0: gonna... is also a free agent this year. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and Thune a guy that is going to be highly sought after if he hits the free agent market. Yeah. So um, defensively, I think they're in pretty good shape on defense. Probably you know, need an edge. Yeah, could could probably use a little more help there. But sure. yeah, I mean, the,
0: when some of these guys coming back, they're they're going to be. All right. Yeah, you towers back. Yep, uh,
1: Gilmore, Jonathan Jones, Jawan Williams, um, those guys are all in the cornerbacks, and JC Jackson by all accounts he'll probably be back. I would yeah. think that that'll be a priority
0: for them. McCordy and Chong will be back at safeties, yep. and uh, Kyle Duggar did well for himself. Got he'll it, yeah,
1: he'll <sighs> play a hybrid linebacker safety position.
0: Yeah, so I mean, once again, the if everything's back to the way it should be, the Patriots secondary is going to be scary again.
1: Yeah, so. You know, expect some of their their changes will be on the offensive side of the ball, I have to believe.
0: Yeah, I think we'll see some weapons, and I think we'll see maybe some O-line depth later on, but quarterback and some weapons for that offense. Let's talk about the New York football Jets. Well, the New York football Jets are going to be a lot of fun to talk about throughout this process because of the question mark that is Sam Darnold. Will they? Won't they? That's the thing. Um, Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And that, that's why it'll be fun to talk about kind of all yeah. offseason. Uh, we may not know up until the draft. It may not be, yeah, you know, when they're on the clock, we may <laughs> we, we might find out what the answer is.
1: Yeah, if they decide to stick with Sam Darnold, then I think they're going to look to support him and, and get yeah. guys around
0: him. I mean, uh, we've talked about it before. If they decide to say, hey, so let's give Sam another year, let's try to give him s- better than he's had, I think they're in a good position to do that. You trade out of where you're at, where you're drafting it to. You don't have to trade that far back, but you get you pick up some more picks to help uh, build around him. I don't
1: like their offense, you know, as a no. whole. When you look at their running backs, Lamichael P. Ryan, Ty Johnson, uh, they lose Frank Gore and Josh Adams. You know, th- th- those aren't those are no names that are certainly going to concern you. No. And then their receiver position, Jamison Crowder, he's an 11.3 million hit. Against the cab, eleven
0: million and, dollar slot receiver.
1: Yeah, they can save eleven, well, 10. 10. 10. 10.3 million, million by letting him go. And then the rest are yeah. Denzel Mims, who has a bright future. Braxton Barrios got a lot of time this year. Doxson never really appeared. Yeah. No, came into anything. Then you've got a lot of names that nobody's going to know. Yeah,
0: Lawrence Kager.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Manessa Bailey. I mean, <laughs> Jaleel Scott, D.J. Montgomery. So. You know, a bunch of bunch of names you haven't heard I think
0: of. when we get to the offensive line, you see a little bit of the same thing. I think you have some guys that you like that are in spots. I think you overpaid George Fant, so you're kind of stuck with him now. Uh, Makai Becton is uh up-and-coming tackle. He's I think a stud. He's, he's
1: going yeah. to be the best left tackle in the league for a while, it looks like.
0: And then on the interior, you know, Connor McGovern's expensive. Alex Lewis, you're spending a lot of money on. Um, so I feel like they have... They feel like they have to have their pieces in yeah. place here. Not a lot of room to, to maneuver, so. And then the They're defense. edge rushers. They need to make some upgrades
1: there. Yeah. Interior D-line. You've got and Williams and uh, Foley Batukasi.
0: And um, that's
1: it. Yeah, so they're going to need some, some more players there. Um, outside linebacker Bryce Huff. Jordan Jenkins is a free agent. And Mosley's back, so. Mosley's back. You're good at losing. Nev- Neville Hewitt, you lose. Um, and the corners. I mean, Bryce Hall was a rookie last year. He got beat up on too. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson was a rookie last
0: year. This uh, this secondary really took their lumps this last season, and it's kind of tough to say. Defense. So, so, let me get a little preaching here. Defenses are a team game. If your front seven's not doing anything, the secondary's going to look like crap. Yeah. If your secondary's playing like crap, the front seven looks like crap because they can't don't have time to get to the passer it's a team sport especially on the defensive side so it's tough to pin all the blame on the secondary but they were rough last year yeah
1: the entire roster is in need of a major overhaul yeah and i have a lot of faith in robert sala but they're going to need to take some of that capital in the draft that they have and hit with it yeah they're going to need to hit with it they're going to need to do a good job with the salary cap you know, let some of these guys that are higher priced go. Build around youth guys. Pick up some free agents that make sense. Listen, George Fant at nine point three million, or cut him and take a two million two million dollar hit. I think you let George Fant walk, and you find a young guy to plug in there.
0: Yeah, you know, you're not winning anything next season. No. So hmm.
1: this is a it, they're going to need a retool, and there are some promising pieces on the team. But the most promising piece to me is wearing that headset on the sideline that's Robert Sala and the environment that he can create. So And Mackay Becton, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about him as the biggest piece that they have.
0: Quinton Williams was really good when I saw him last year. I didn't see a lot of Jets games. I saw him play the Bills twice, uh, saw him once or twice more. But Quinton Williams, every game, was just making plays. They're getting their butts whipped all over the place, and he's still making plays. I was very impressed with him. I uh, I had a buddy text me earlier today about a player on the
1: Jets and was wondering, you know, what I saw of him this year, and I was like, dude, I tuned out every time the Jets came on the TV. <laughs> Who wants to watch that? Yeah. Like, it was brutal for a yeah. big portion of the season. What player? He was asking about a former player, oh. and then he was like, what do you know about him? So, he wanted to know how Demario Davis was when he played for yeah. the Jets, so, um, you know, I was like, I didn't see him. Couldn't tell you. you know. <laughs> have no idea i didn't even realize he was playing but I, th- I mean he thought he spent the whole season on the saints i <laughs> I, I honestly couldn't tell you because i didn't even look it up but I, that's how little of the jets i watched yeah. <laughs> this year
0: so um yeah that'll be it for this week right tom yeah that's it uh and we'll be back next week we're gonna have a some more ufc we got a heavyweight showdown next weekend yeah we're gonna talk a little bit about the Genesis Open and the AFC West needs same kind of roster breakdown as we steady Eddie move closer to that draft.
1: Yeah, and um, at some point here we'll start positional um, breakdowns in the draft and uh, give you guys some details on position groups as we work towards you know some of the prospects that we really like. Yeah, uh, in this draft, I'm consuming as much draft content as humanly (laughs) possible right now so um look forward to coming back next week and uh we'll catch you guys all then